Hello, and welcome to the second series of the Attributive Security Podcast. A lot has changed in the world since the last series, but we'll still be having unscripted conversations about anything and everything relating to security and risk. We hope you find our conversations interesting and welcome any comments you have. While these conversations help us to clarify our own thoughts and learn from one another, your engagement brings the potential of broader discussion and learning opportunities. My name is Martin and I'm joined today by my regular co-host Maurice. Keep listening to hear our conversation sparked by a question Maurice posted to the SABSA forums. We discuss whether and how the impacts from a materialised risk in one domain can be a risk to a subdomain. Apologies that this episode requires some more SABSA knowledge from the start than we would normally assume. One last thing before we get started, the opinions shared in this podcast are personal and may not be shared by any past or present employers or organisations we may be associated with. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Long time it's been. I'm fine. Long time indeed. Yeah. But I'm excited to uh, do this uh, season two. It's good to have our yes. first episode here. Yeah, we haven't done done anything for a long time. It is. Um, I don't actually recall how long, but um, yeah, too long. And a lot happened, I think. So yeah, I was recently thinking about this notion of with incidents. Suddenly I was thinking, is an incident an unidentified risk? Or could it just be an identified but accepted risk? It could be a whole load of things. It, it could be an identified risk. It could be an unidentified risk. It could be a, a, an accepted risk. It could be a risk that maybe was accepted. Or rather, maybe a, maybe a risk that you had a risk treatment plan for, uh, which would take you within the risk appetite. And then you didn't get the budget to do that treatment. So the effective risk appetite was was higher than the, the stated risk appetite. It could be a whole load of things. Yeah, guess you're right. Well, that concludes the whole session here. <laughs> Now it just it just popped up there. Um, I'd be more interested actually in, and I started that discussion yesterday on the on the SAPSA website and the forum. And I think I mentioned that. Before. I saw that. I saw that, and I I had a little think, but yeah, I haven't had much time to really think about that. Right. So you were you were asking about could a could a super domain's performance affect the subdomain? Is that right? Could a super domain's risk impact? be a threat to the subdomain? I would so the naively example, say I, yes. Now, uh-huh. of course, we've got to justify that, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want me to do. I am indeed looking for examples where where it holds that that is the case or that time and time again we prove that that's not the case other than um, where I start leaning towards is that it's that would only impact a subdomain for its existence or changed requirements to deal with for that subdomain, but not so much a risk to the subdomain, if you know what not I mean. Not entirely. If, if, if the subdomain is, is at risk of ceasing to exist, then that's a risk to it, isn't it? Or does it not perceive that risk as it being external to it? Who knows? Because, because if a subdomain ceases to exist it doesn't mean that the basically that's not a real risk do you know what i mean because you only exist to serve the superdomain so if then suddenly those elements that serve the superdomain are no longer needed then is that a real risk for not existing anymore not being needed anymore? it's an interesting one because you've, you've got your assets your assets are what matter and essentially 
you're saying it's not a risk to that asset because that asset ceases to matter. Yes. Rather than that asset being completely destroyed, let's say. No. The asset ceases to matter is it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a mind bender isn't it that clearly is clearly is an existential risk to to the asset but actually it isn't because you're saying that the asset ceases to matter rather than suffers a a a massive impact that's what i'm thinking of indeed over and over again i can't i sort of come to that but you've got you've the other thing you've got to consider you know, when when you when you're in you know, knee deep in this, is is what perspective you're looking at it from. If you're looking at it from the perspective of the domain authority of the domain that is ceasing to exist, it kind of matters to him. But that's the wrong perspective. Exactly, that is the perspective of that domain authority, but not of the perspective of dealing with the risks for the super no, domain. You've got to look at it from the super domain perspective, and he says that doesn't matter. Exactly. That ceases to matter to me. And I think the, the the natural thought is to think of it from the perspective of the domain the subdomain. Or at least that was kind of where my, my brain was going. And it's just like of course it matters to me. <laughs> but no, it's it that's the wrong perspective. That's what I would say indeed. To give an example here, if the application as a superdomain needs to be compliant to GDPR because of processing information. PII, but it also, the owner of that domain believes that it is good to collect as much information of their customers as possible, so it becomes a sort of the, the big data. And the GDPR comes along and says, that's not that's not okay, you need to have uh, consent, you need to be able to trace where you keep all of that information, so it needs to be labeled and it needs to be traceable. And if that's not the case, that that's the weakness, you have unstructured, unlabeled information of your of your uh, customers then the gdpr is a threat where you could have a fine as a impact when that risk materializes the superdomain has that risk but within the application there is a subdomain of data processing data storage is the impact defined is that a threat to the subdomain the data storage domain for which the data domain needs to take countermeasures needs to take actions such that it supports the management of risks for the application domain but focusing on that fine being the threat to the subdomain. so the okay you've got you've got to look at the the threat in terms of where is the impact what is the asset at risk what is the asset that is impacted whose budget does that fine come out of and you you, you talked a lot about data there this is, this is not a data issue. GDPR is not talking about data. It's talking about information. Okay. So if you are providing a data lake, do you know what's in there? Do you need to know what's in there? Is that your concern? Your concern is the maybe maybe there's some access controls. You know, so maybe there's some integrity requirements. Maybe you've got availability requirements. But you're not dealing with information. So that is not your concern. Your concern is not around sensitive data. And I said data there because that's, I think, the terminology. You're not concerned with that because you don't have, you don't have the schema. You don't have the structure of the data. You just have data. You don't have information. So how can that be your concern? Agree. That can't be your concern. You are providing a data storage service to an application the application owns the data so so maybe again talk to ownership there that's that's an important thing who own, who owns the information it's not it's not the person who owns the you know the disk array or the the storage yet, yet the, they don't own the information that, that so risk it yet the owner of the 
data lake needs to adhere to the policy of the information owner, where the information owner this says this information must be processed timely, must be available, must be... Right? So there will be requirements. There will be a policy that is drilling down to the subdomain where the data lake sits. Yes. And, and the question here would be, one of the other policy requirements the application owner, the owner of that information would have would be compliance, be compliance to the applicable standards and one of them is GDPR and then it turns out that there is information being processed which is not labeled and directly sent to the data lake where you have unstructured unlabeled data so if a subject in as in GDPR says what are you storing what what are you processing of me you won't be able to answer that in a complete manner which could result in a fine that fine is the impact to the application domain to the owner of that information the question is then is this fine is that impact when that risk materializes or any risk materializes in the application domain is that impact going to be a threat to the subdomain because the other way around is true a threat and a weakness and an impact in a subdomain of that the impact is a threat to the superdomain so if there's uh, data and in a data lake and something happens the data gets corrupted because of corrupted uh, manipulated tampered yeah Exactly. The weakness is, is that they do not have proper mechanisms in place to prevent that data from getting corrupted. The impact is, is that the data is indeed corrupted. That's the impact. Yep. That is a threat to the information in the application. Oh, absolutely. And the question would be, could there be a risk when it materializes that the impact of that would have an impact on the subdomain? As so a threat? would you consider as an organization in the EU, let's say, would you consider the EU or the EU uh, regulatory body to be a threat actor against your business? You know, they can come up with a new regulation that's going to require you to do something. Are they a potential threat to you? Could be. Okay. So carrying along that, they they are your supervisory body. They provide requirements that you have to uh, comply with, or you, you can choose not to comply. But then there's potentially sanctions. Let's say how is that how is that different to from the subdomain's perspective? Saying and, and there are differences. Don't get me wrong. That the superdomain is suddenly going to change the requirements on you. So you have a as a subdomain you have a risk from your perspective i'm i'm suggesting that your superdomain is going to change the requirements on you is that a risk from the perspective of the subdomain i don't think so because you, the subdomain only exists for the sake of the fulfillment of requirements to deal with risks in a granular fashion for the superdomain so the whereas superdomain, whereas the enterprise does not exist to fulfill the requirements of the regulator and they they have a very different relationship and, but there is there is, is a this is beautiful what you say because from from that perspective the regulator is the superdomain and the enterprise is the subdomain and, li and like you said the enterprise I should actually rewind what you what we just recorded what is it you said I can't remember <laughs> but from the perspective of the subdomain his his requirements are set by the superdomain and he has a risk that the superdomain can change those requirements the difference comes that he has the relationship where as you say he exists to serve the requirements of the superdomain the enterprise does not exist to serve the requirements of the regulator and yet it does because the regulator is the superman and poses those regulations because the public needs to be served in a manner 
that that the public wants or government or the regulator as a body to represent that so basically that would be the case now it is a choice of an enterprise to say but i'm only doing it so far and that's where the the regulator then says and here's a fine but the regulator would be a representative of a group of companies or or the public and basically do pose requirements to the enterprise being the subdomain to which you then need to adhere as the enterprise GDPR is an example of that. But it's your choice to say, nah, I'm not But the organisation does not exist to fulfil the requirements of the regulator. They exist to fulfil the requirements of other stakeholders. They have to comply with that. They have to, you know, they are restricted by that, but that is not their, their overarching no. reason for existence. If you're saying that the enterprise is not does not exist to fulfill the requirements of the G, of the regulator to for the regulator to be a functioning body, I agree. But that's to a different in angle. That market, they have to align. Yeah, but it's a different angle here, different perspective again. That the part where the regulator poses requirements on a enterprise that would be a supermain subdomain relationship, but only that, yeah. not the whole of the regulator. Now, of course, this, this comes back to something we were talking about nearly a year ago um, mm-hmm. when we were in London. There's more than one domain model. Absolutely. So the enterprise is a subdomain of the regulator in one dimension, but there is another domain model in which it isn't. Exactly. And this is where it doesn't really matter that a subdomain is no longer needed because basically those elements will also most likely be a part of another domain for which it still serves. So we're back to the whole, here's my domain hierarchy. And all of a sudden this middling domain down here has to comply with the CFO's finance policy. That's a different model where it is a subdomain of that. Yeah. And yes. then, then we got into the whole question of do peer do peer relationships actually re- exist, or is that mean that there is another way of drawing the domain model, another view of the domain model where they are a subdomain, and therefore it's only super subdomain relationships. Yep. Well, back then I already said that that is the case, or I'm leaning towards that. Let's let's park yep. that safely because I need <laughs> you to think still think longer about that. But the more and more I'm. I'm actually leaning towards that. I, I, I think that that could be a conversation in a couple of weeks time yeah two we'll weeks. be there in two weeks yeah oh sorry but i'm looking forward <laughs> and uh, i hope some of our listeners will also join uh, he's, he's talking about cosac of course of course exactly cosac the best security conference there is on this planet and no i'm not affiliated with that other than that i'm a a what is it? Regular Kosekian that believes that everybody should at least once in a lifetime go to Kosek. It's marvelous. But aside from that, I think definitely in two weeks' time we can have another discussion about about the super and subdomain relationship. Maybe we should record that with some real sounds of people around us and in a bar and who knows? Real Kosek. Real Kosek discussion. Oh gosh. Because that is where they started. This, this. Yeah, it is. It is. These are the sort of conversations we have only there. They're done later in the day. But going back, another example, I'm trying, right? I'm trying if it holds. Another example is if the finance department is processing financial information and um, they have a they have a requirement that, it, like, authorized, right? You need to be authorized to access that information, to update, to read, to delete that information. When it's on paper, finance department can deal with that themselves. But when they're going to process it in computers, they'll they'll delegate it to a subdomain of IT. 
IT, for example. IT now has certain requirements coming along from the finance department that authorized. It needs to be available, timely, uh, correct, etc. Access controlled. Access controlled. To the information on itself in the finance domain, there is the possibility that there is somebody who is able to change that information unauthorized possible to circumvent that uh, by by changing some figures on paper but that needs to be transferred to the computers and having that unauthorized change on that information and there's no validation that's the weakness in the finance domain so the impact is that they have corrupted unauthorized changed information that's the impact is that impact a threat to the processing of the information in the computer systems for that subdomain that is going to process okay, that. let's try and unwrap this one is that a risk to the processing of the information so so you 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 mentioned something i'm going to come back to that you said there was no validation so there is no validation on the in the, in the, finance, in the, in the domain. finance domain now you could have a weakness i'm not saying risk i'm not saying threat you could have a weakness in the processing domain that they don't do validation so you have untrusted data coming in because we can't trust it because there's no validation in the finance domain it's coming in and we're not doing any validation so there could be some manipulation occurring within the processing the threat actor from the perspective of the processing domain is somebody in the finance domain and we'll come back to insiders and external threats i guess so somebody could manipulate that data in a way that it would do something unexpected is that a threat to the processing domain who has the impact of is that the processing domain has that impact or is it the finance domain that has the impact because they're the one who has the risk if you don't have the impact you don't have the risk is that not Correct. so? Who, who has that risk? If 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 the finance t- domain puts some malicious data into the into the system, the processing domain processes that payment in a unexpected manner because there's some data malicious data in, intended to uh, corrupt that processing. Whose risk is that? Who um, and you just said the the impact is to the is to the super domain to the finance domain. Yeah, hold on. So if the process if the processing domain is having weak weaknesses yep. and that results in a threat actor, or I should say it the other way around, there are threat actors exploiting the weakness, yep. resulting in an impact for the processing domain. That pr- that impact is a threat to the finance domain, which on itself, if there is a weakness that can be exploited by that threat, which was the impact of the process domain, then there will be an impact on the finance okay. domain. So if in the processing there is malicious intent and in the weakness there's no no prevention against this malicious intent, right? Or or the effects of that, then the impact could be corrupted information being processed. Corrupt information being processed, being stored is the impact is a threat to the finance domain because that is external and they don't have the validation, that's the weakness, and the impact is is that they send out the wrong information to the wrong customers. Yeah, I mean that's Arguably, it's only a, it's only a threat to the processing domain if it violates the requirements that the finance domain has put upon it. Exactly, because exactly. it has to ha- it has to have in a SABSA sense it has to have an attribute that is impact, and that attribute is not provided, but that attribute is a, is is a result of the requirements of the of the super domain. Right, the super domain says this is what matters. 
This is what I need you to do for me. These are your requirements. This is how I'm going to measure your performance. So yep. if, if the super domain hasn't said, oh, and by the way, you should make sure that there's integrity within the within the payments. I think the super domain can have an impact without without the subdomain having an impact, but only only in the contrived case, maybe where the, the super domain hasn't set the requirements appropriately. So, so, so I think I think the super domain can have an Im- impact, even if the subdomain doesn't have an impact, because the reason for that is the super domain didn't effectively set the requirements on the on the subdomain. Right. So you're saying he, that he didn't imp- tell him what was important, and then he suddenly realized after the fact that he should have told him, essentially, that that was important. But that's a broken. So, that, so there's that case. Uh, there's the case where. The subdomain does have an impact, and then that impact flows upwards from the attribute performance or a systemic relationship to the superdomain, and the superdomain has an impact. Where we started off was was can we can we do that the other way around? Can it go top to bottom where the impact of a superdomain is a threat to the subdomain? The other way around, bottom up is that's a, that's, that's the standard model. Clear. And I, yeah. I think I think there's a lot of instinctive thoughts, naive thoughts, maybe that yeah, it can do, and of course there's impacts on the subdomain, but we've we've got to be very clear and it you know cold in a sense that we're we're looking at things from the perspective of the superdomain, even when we're looking at things from the sub, you know, you say the subdomain ceases to exist, people who are serving that subdomain are going to get upset about that, you know, they may they may lose their job. But that's yep. not what we're looking at, you know. And I, I think I think it's very easy to go to those sorts of places. So, well, of course, there's an impact. There's there's all this impact. It's going to be this. There's going to be an impact on the organisation because all this is going to happen. It's hard to come up with a case where it's going to go that way. Uh, where the and again, coming back to what we said before, when you've got a hierarchy that you draw, a strict hierarchy that you can, I mean, you don't have to draw, but you can, I think that's the way things are defined, that you you have a strict hierarchy with a single super domain. It's hard to see how that works. Once you get into, once you start thinking about, well, is this the same subdomain when I when I look from a different perspective and does that actually mean it's got more than one super domain then that's a whole different reasoning because you can be serving multiple super domains so yes. going back going back to the sim, going back to the standard model how do you get something that affects the super domain sorry the super domain affects the subdomain even if that is possible where a subdomain has multiple superdomains, the question remains the same and the answer remains the same, I think. Apart from can you have multiple superdomains? There's the multidimensional concept, right? The multidimensional domain concept. Because is, is, is there another route? The performance of a subdomain, by definition, pretty much affects the superdomain, right? That's the standard. We understand that. So where do peer domains fit in? So if a peer domain is relying upon me, I can impact the peer domain, right? Theoretically, yes. The systemic, the systemic impact, horizontal. To be a peer domain, we have to have a common super domain. So affecting my peer domain that then affects the super domain hasn't got us really to a different hasn't really got us to a different case to me directly affecting the super domain, which we which we already accept. Yes. That the uh, two peer domains, if that if that model exists, then two peer domains, one of them has an impact on the other. Being hold on, the impact of a peer domain is a threat to the other peer domain. So right. 
there may be a risk materializing in so peer domain a peer domain b if peer domain a has a risk that materializes threat times weakness yep. times impact impact then is a threat to the peer domain okay. b okay directly through that peer relation directly through the peer relationship so if one domain cares about and this is why this is why actually the peer domains is kind of weird because I was trying to come up with. I'm, I, I'm just I'm just trying to trying to. I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I'm just trying to say, does it go peer to peer or does it go peer to super domain and down to the the other uh, subdomain? Because that would that would kind of imply that we do need to be able to go down. You can't have a peer to peer relationship with a domain. You sib you can have sibling relationships but not cousin relationships, right? I think you, I mean? I you think, can't go down another level and then say, "Oh well, these are uh, peer relationship." I think you're right. If you draw two peer domains with a super domain around them, then they always communicate over that that area of the super domain. So it goes via the super domain. If it is two domains interacting, they're not peer domains, but just two independent domains without a super domain around them, where they share that same common policy of what they do so when we do define two peer domains then i'm starting to think that it should go through traverses through the super where the super domain may decide identify whether that is going to be a is going to be so, a threat to the so to let's, that. Let's, let's say so let's let's try and make this a bit more concrete let's say a super domain's got got two subdomains and he's got a certain risk appetite and he divides yep. that between his two subdomains subdomain a subdomain b subdomain a comes back and says i'm i'm exceeding the risk appetite that you've you've given me his, his performance is below the target the super domain has having an impact there now this comes back to what you said right at the very start he then goes ah well i'm gonna i'm gonna have to put a requirement on subdomain b and say i'm gonna reduce your appetite because i need to counterbalance what's happened with with subdomain a Exactly. So there is a requirement chain. Exactly. And then that comes back to what I said about the regulators of, you know, where's the difference between from the perspective of subdomain B, does he always does he always have a risk that his superdomain will change the requirements on him? So that yes. that risk is materialized when the superdomain changes his requirements. So the superdomain has had an effect and, on the subdomain. And is that a risk to the subdomain that the superdomain says, dude, I'm changing the requirement? That's the question. Does the subdomain always have an identified risk that might, you know, and you can have, you know, you can have the standard measures on it of, well, what's the likelihood and what's the impact going to be to me that my superdomain is going to change change the requirements on me? That's, you can say there's a likelihood on that. You can say there's an impact on that in terms of what rework <laughs> am I going to have to do? You know, how, how is that going to impact my compliance with, with being on budget, let's say? You know, he's changed his requirements he hasn't given me any more budget that's a risk to me isn't it yeah but that's isn't that an existential risk as in that's just what you need to be dealing with is that is that from a subdomain that is a sort of sure that could be perceived as a risk but in the relationship with the superdomain and that's why the subdomain only exists is that then a risk to the subdomain or is that just a, a given fact that okay there's not enough budget but that is therefore not my problem but the superdomain's problem because now i can't effectively do what the sub superdomain wants me to do and i was even thinking in that relationship with the first of all we have the the application domain being compliant to gdpr and then delegate to the subdomain is that 
impact of having a fine, a problem, a threat to the subdomain. Going up, the regulator could be the superdomain of the application domain. Is a risk to the regulator being the superdomain, is a risk and the impact of that when it materializes a threat to the application? And I was thinking about that, the, the threat to the, the risk in the regulator's domain, that, that this is what I'm trying to come up with, a risk to the regulator's domain. Being the super I didn't quite follow that. There was there was two regulators, I think. So you had regulator in terms of GDPR and, and compliance there and enforcement there. And then you had an application regulator. I guess that could be ECB or, you know, it could be a financial services regulator. It could be a oil and gas regulator or something, you know, an energy regulator. So you've yes. got two regulators in play and I'm not quite following where, where, the, uh, where the risks and the impacts you were asking about were. Is the regulator, if we're talking about the GDPR regulator, okay. is, the, is that regulator, is that a body on itself or is that a representative as a collection of the public, the customers, the real owners of the PII? And if that's the case, then a threat in the customer's domain that materializes... Okay. Okay, let's, let's, let's not go into whether or not the, uh, the regulators are actually representing the people unelected as they are. Notionally, they... they to, to a degree doing that but they they are the, the regulator I, th I think has to be seen as a source of threats to the enterprise you know Possible. if they come up with a new regulation or they change the regulation then the business is going to need to react to that potentially make changes potentially uh, incur sanctions for not making changes you know there, yes. there are there are business impacts from if the regular regulator changes their regulations there are impacts to the business so it's it's a source of threat. Yes, but can also be an enabler, an opportunity, because if you're a consulting firm, then a new regulation can provide you more business. Okay, so it's a let's expand from that. Is it? We I said it was a source of threats. It's a source of risks, and they yep. can be uh, positive or negative. Where are you going with this? Well, if a risk materializes in that regulator's domain, does that impact, is that a threat to the subdomain? So I was trying to come up with a risk to the regulator where the materialization, the impact, is going to be a threat to an enterprise if the regulator be the superdomain of an enterprise in that particular, only that particular relationship. So if the, if the regulator introduces a new regulation... That you know businesses are have to comply with to to operate in that market, then they have an impact, and that that's a threat to them. Or as you say, it could be an opportunity um, but, in a but, different. But line. hold on, but hold on. That is just that's not coming. That is not coming forward from a risk. That is just. So let's think about a threat to the superdomain, the regulator, a weakness, and that a threat to the superdomain. Okay, so the threat yes. to the superdomain. The, the, the regulator only operates at the um, the behest of a higher authority. So the regulator could be the regulator will have requirements. The regulator's requirements could change. The regulator could be told it's it's not going to be making this change it it wants to make it. The regulator could be uh, removed. The regulator could be replaced with an entirely different regulator. I mean, we've had it had it over here in the past in terms of, I guess, some of its uh, moving deck chairs around, but restructuring, renaming, reorganizing regulators. Now, when that happens, there's potential opportunities that 
you know maybe regulation is uh relaxed or there's there's potential um you know more severe regulation so the, there's i guess there's the regulators i guess are also you know so a, a financial services regulator in in the uk doesn't um have a hierarchical relationship to eu regulators anymore i guess doesn't have a relationship to us regulators but i i think that it, i think it's it's naive to say that there's no um pressures applied and you know influence being exercised across those you know you may have influences we've got influences you know we we are i believe um in terms of financial services regulation in the uk separated from from the eu but if we start um diverging hugely on our financial services regulations that's going to have an impact on cross-border service availability you know we may we may have um you know you may have in, in a a more sort of product environment or physical product environment you may have trade agreements and trade relationship impacts that actually play into the the regulation and you get a degree of alignment between the regulators so the regulators well, are actually being impacted by external parties as well yeah, so that begs the question, what is the regulator actually? Is the regulator not just a representative of a domain where the regulator is just posing the requirements of that particular domain? So um, PCI DSS is, is basically a standard that is pushed forward by the credit card company. Yes. Basel II is pushed forward as a gentleman's agreement amongst banks. By a consortium of, yeah. But exactly, but basically that is just a sort of a, it's not a subdomain, maybe it's a subdomain, but then it's a subdomain that is in that consortium of the superdomain, which is a collection of all the banks that have that same concern. So the regulator is not a superdomain on itself with nothing above, it is... It is a domain or either a function in a domain that is, is bringing forward those requirements set by a subject. Yeah, so you could, in, you could indeed ask, is the regulator a custodian or a trustee? Exactly, exactly. And because they have a higher, a higher power. As you, and yes. a, where, where does that authority derive from? And then the question would be, because going back to that, does a impact on a subdomain pose a threat or risk, could also be positive, to a subdomain? Does the regulator, it's not so much a superdomain on itself, but a function of a superdomain, do risks to the superdomain of the enterprise, does that impact or the impacts pose a risk to the enterprise being the subdomain for the relationship between the superdomain and the subdomain? I'm still leaning towards the, I don't think that's possible, other than requirements will change or there's no longer a need for that subdomain. So requirements will change the policy yeah change. because even in the let's try and try and uh, not change the uh, the goalposts too much in terms of the the okay. more concrete stuff we're talking about so if the regulator comes along and we've got our you know our regulator our enterprise and our or our application domain and our data data domain if the if if the regulator comes along and starts talking about data locality and jurisdiction and the data can't cross border so that 
the, the, on the surface of it, the regulator is directly affecting the requirements on the, on the data processing domain. They're saying this data's got to stay within the country, let's say. But that's not the reality of it. The reality of it is it flows through the domain model. The requirement is, is upon the, the super domain, the, you know, upon the, the enterprise. The enterprise then says, okay, we're, we've, we want to operate in this market. We've got to comply with these regulations. Mr. Application Domain, these are some new requirements for you. Mr. Application Domain says, Mr. Data Domain, here's some new requirements for you. So... Although on the surface it looks like the the requirements are coming through and they apply directly to the data domain and on a technical level maybe they do you know you've got to go the requirements actually go through all those relationships right and yes. if the regulator comes calling and says right you've you've not complied he's not going to go to the domain authority of the data domain and say you moved your data out of the country it's going to come in higher up and and they're going to feel the they're going to feel the impact of that that sanction of that fine but that that's going well, I'm not, up. I'm, I'm actually saying the the requirements. There's no disintermediation on the on the requirements. The requirement is set to, to exactly. the subdomain, to the subdomain, to the subdomain. He exactly. doesn't it doesn't what, bypass all that and say, no. Mister uh, Data Domain, you've got this now. And, and, in reality, that 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 may be something that actually happens. The regulations are changing, and I think this is this is possibly a, another point around. Well, what's the domain model and, you know, the attributes and the accountability and the authority structure versus what's the organizational structure? Because what will happen in that case is the regulator will come out with something. Somebody on quite a technical level in the organization will go, ah, got these requirements on data residency. We're going to have to make some changes. Better tell my boss because I'm going to need some budget for this. And it sort of flows upwards in the organization. But that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way the requirements happen. So the identification of the requirement maybe happened lower down, but the requirement, you know, you, you then go up and back down again. Um, I don't think that you're well. You're not going. You're not going. You're not going up in terms of the domain model. You're going up in terms of the company structure, maybe because you've I got to think... alert people. No, but I don't think that the requirements start bottom up because your requirements to process data start with the requirements around processing information. Otherwise, if you don't know what the information is and what, what requirements, what attributes are associated, you have no idea what you need to do with the data. So even the te even technical controls that say your data should not go outside yep. the European economic yep. border. You don't know which data. You only know that when it starts with the information transformed into data, and now you know which elements, which data. Oh, absolutely, assets, absolutely. Right? So it doesn't start bottom up when it comes to the the requirements. It shoots and it does go top. In terms down. of the yes, and and that's clear. That it just constantly stays clear. That that is a change in requirements. That's a change in policy. That is never yeah. a risk to the subdomain for which. The subdomain needs to take to take actions such that it contributes to the subdomain. No, so what what I'm saying is, I think I think that one would probably potentially be identified. So new requirements would be identified by somebody who we would naturally associate with the subdomain. What they're actually saying is not I've identified this thing that's important to me because, as you say, that's kind of not the, the thing. They they're actually identifying a requirement for the superdomain, but that's. That's where people get confused because I'm mixing and matching the domain model and the organization Organization, structure. yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, I think the person may have identified the, the new requirement, but the new requirement doesn't apply to them. It, requires, it applies to somebody much higher up. 
the um, if they in exactly, the domain model. They just, and they need to follow through. And then they need to set up. policy, and then they need to set policy, and then yes. it comes around. But then, again, that comes comes back to ownership as well, and proper ownership. Um, proper ownership, proper risk distribution, that is what this comes down to. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Having discussed the question, we still do not have a concrete example beyond the very existence of the subdomain or the requirements upon it. If you're a member of the SABSA Institute, please add your thoughts to the forum, or if not, reach out to us more directly. We'll be back soon with another topic.